Section eight of the Chouans by Honoré de Balzac. Translated by Ellen Marriage. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Read by Bruce Peary. Chapter two C. Madame, said Mademoiselle de Verneuil at last, is your son always as dull as this? Mademoiselle, broke in the victim i was just asking myself what is the good of a pleasure that cannot last the keenness of my enjoyment is the secret of my dullness pretty speeches like that are rather courtly for the ecole polytechnique she said laughing his idea was very natural mademoiselle said madame dugois who for her own reasons wished to set her guest at ease come why do you not laugh said the latter smiling how do you look when you weep if what you are pleased to call a pleasure depresses you like this her smile accompanied by a challenge from her eyes which broke through the mask of sedateness gave some hope to the young sailor but inspired by her nature which always leads a woman to do too much or too little the more mademoiselle de verneuil seemed to take possession of the young sailor by glances full of the foreshadowing of love the more she opposed a cool and reserved severity to his gallant expressions the common tactics which women use to conceal their sentiments for one moment and one only when each had thought to find the other's eyelids lowered a glance communicated their real thoughts but they both lowered their eyes as promptly as they had raised them confounded by the sudden flash that had agitated both their hearts while it enlightened them in embarrassment at having said so much in a glance they did not dare to look at each other again mademoiselle de verneuil anxious to undeceive the stranger took refuge in a cool politeness and even seemed to be impatient for their breakfast to be over you must have suffered much in prison mademoiselle queried madame du gois alas madame i feel as though i had not yet ceased to be a prisoner is your escort intended to watch you or to watch over you mademoiselle are you suspected by the republic or are you dear to it mademoiselle de verneuil felt instinctively that madame du gois took but little interest in her and the question startled her madame she replied i hardly know what my precise relations with the republic are at this moment you make it tremble perhaps said the young man somewhat ironically why do you not respect mademoiselle's secrets asked madame du gois the secrets of a young girl who has known nothing of life as yet but its sorrows are not very interesting madame but the first consul seems to be exceedingly well disposed said madame du gois wishful to keep up a conversation which might tell her something that she wanted to know do they not say that he is about to repeal the law against emigrants it is quite true madame said the other almost too eagerly perhaps 
why then should we arouse la vendee and brittany why kindle the flames of insurrection in france this generous outburst in which she seemed to put a note of self-reproach moved the young sailor he looked attentively at mademoiselle de verneuil but he could read neither hatred nor love in her face her face with its delicate tints that attested the fineness of the skin was impenetrable ungovernable curiosity suddenly attracted him towards this singular being to whom he had already felt drawn by strong desire but you are going to mayenne madame she asked after a short pause and if so mademoiselle queried the young man well if so madame and as your son is in the service of the republic these words were uttered with seeming carelessness but she gave a furtive glance at the two strangers such as only women and diplomatists employ as she continued you must be in fear of the chouans an escort is not to be despised we are almost travelling companions already will you come with us to mayenne mother and son looked at each other and the latter spoke i hardly know mademoiselle whether i do very discreetly in telling you that matters of great importance require us to be in the district of fougeres to-night and that so far we have found no means of transport but women are so generous by nature that i should be ashamed not to trust you but still he continued before we put ourselves in your hands let us know at any rate if we are likely to issue from them safe and sound are you the slave or the mistress of your republican escort forgive the plain speaking of a young sailor but i see so much that is unusual in your circumstances in these times sir nothing that happens is usual believe me you may accept without hesitation above all she spoke with emphasis you have no treachery to fear in a straightforward offer made by one who takes no share in party hatreds even then the journey will have its perils he answered with an arch look that gave significance to the commonplace words what are you afraid of now she asked with a mocking smile there is no danger that i see for anybody is this the woman whose glances reflected my desires said he to himself what a tone to take does she mean to entrap me the shrill piercing cry of a screech owl ran out like a dismal portent it seemed to come from the chimney what is that asked mademoiselle de verneuil with a gesture of surprise it is a bad omen for our journey and how is it that screech owls hoot in broad daylight hereabouts they do at times said the young man shortly mademoiselle perhaps we shall bring you ill luck is not that what you are thinking 
we had better not travel together this was said with a soberness and gravity that astonished her i have no wish to constrain you sir she said with aristocratic impertinence pray let us keep what little liberty the republic allows us if your mother were alone i should insist the heavy footsteps of a soldier sounded from the corridor and hulot showed a scowling face come here colonel said mademoiselle de vernoy smiling and pointing to a chair beside her let us occupy ourselves with affairs of state if we must but do not look so serious what is the matter with you are there shoe-uns about the commandant was staring open-mouthed at the stranger at whom he gazed with close attention will you take some more hair mother mademoiselle you are eating nothing the sailor said to francine and he busied himself with his companions but there was something so cruelly earnest in hulot's surprise and mademoiselle de verneuil's attention that it was dangerous to disregard these facts what is the matter commandant do you happen to know me he asked sharply perhaps answered the republican indeed i think i have seen you as a visitor at the school i never went to school at all the commandant answered abruptly what sort of school may you come from the ecole polytechnique oh ah yes those barracks where they train soldiers in the dormitories replied the commandant who had an ungovernable dislike of all officers from this scientific seminary what corps are you serving in i am in the navy ah said hulot laughing spitefully do you know many pupils from that school in the navy they only turn out officers of artillery and engineers he went on sternly the other was not disconcerted the name i bear has made an exception of me he answered we have all been sailors in our family ah said hulot and what is your family name citizen then you were not murdered at mortagne ah a very little more and we must have been said madame dugois my son had a couple of balls through have you your papers said hulot who paid no attention to the mother would you like to read them said the young man flippantly with malice in his blue eyes as he looked from the scowling commandant to mademoiselle de verneuil i am to have a young fool set his wits at me i suppose said hulot give me your papers or come away with you come come my fine fellow i am not a recruit why should i answer you who may you be i am the commandant of the department answered hulot oh then this is a very serious matter and i might be taken with arms in my hands he held out a glass of bordeaux wine to the commandant i am not thirsty said hulot come show me your papers just then the tramp of soldiers and the clanking of weapons filled the street 
hulot stepped to the window with a satisfaction that alarmed mademoiselle de verneuil this sign of concern softened the young man whose face had grown cold and hard he searched the pocket of his coat and drew out an elegant portfolio and from this he selected papers which he handed to the commandant and which hulot began to read deliberately studying the signature on the passport and the face of the suspected traveller as he proceeded with his scrutiny the screech-owl hooted again but this time it was plainly in the accents of a human voice the commandant returned the papers with a sarcastic expression this is all very fine he said but you must follow me to the district headquarters i am not fond of music why take him to the district asked mademoiselle de verneuil in a new tone of voice that is no business of yours young lady said hulot with the usual grimace irritated at this language from the old soldier and by the way she had been lowered as it were in the eyes of a man who had taken a fancy to her mademoiselle de verneuil dropped the sedate manner which had hitherto been hers her colour rose and her eyes glowed tell me has this young man satisfied the requirements of the law she asked gently though her voice faltered a little yes to outward seeming well then i shall expect you to leave him alone in outward seeming are you afraid he will escape you you are going to escort us to mayenne he and his mother will travel in the coach with me no objections it is my wish now what is it she added when he made his usual little grimace do you still suspect him to some extent what do you want to do nothing but to cool his head a bit with some lead a hare-brained boy said the commandant sardonically you are joking colonel come comrade said the commandant with a movement of the head come let us be off sharp at this impertinence from hulot mademoiselle de verneuil smiled and grew calm stay where you are she said to the young man with a dignified gesture of protection what a splendid head he whispered to his mother who knitted her brows repressed vexation and wounded susceptibilities had brought new beauties into the fair parisian's face every one rose to their feet francine and madame du gouin and her son mademoiselle de verneuil quickly stepped between them and the commandant who was smiling and deftly unfastened the loops of braid on her spencer then with the heedlessness that possesses a woman whose self-love has been severely wounded she drew out a letter and handed it at once to the commandant pleased with her power and as impatient to exercise it as any child can be to try a new plaything read it she said with a sarcastic smile intoxicated with her triumph 
she returned towards the young man with a glance at him in which malice and love were mingled the brows of both grew lighter a flush of joy overspread their excited faces innumerable contending thoughts arose in their minds madame du Gois's glance seemed to say that she attributed mademoiselle de vernoy's generosity rather to love than to charity and she was certainly quite right the fair traveller flushed up in the first instance and modestly lowered her eyelids as she gathered the meaning of that feminine glance but she raised her head again proudly under the menacing accusation and defiantly met all eyes meanwhile the petrified commandant handed back her letter countersigned by ministers and enjoining all persons in authority to obey the orders of the mysterious bearer but he drew his sword from its sheath broke it over his knee and flung down the fragments mademoiselle you probably know what you are about but a republican has his own ideas and a pride of his own and i have not yet learned to take my orders from a pretty woman the first consul will receive my resignation to-night and another than hulot will obey you when i do not understand a matter i will not stir in it especially if i am supposed to understand it and cannot there was a moment's silence soon broken by the young parisian lady who went up to the commandant held out her hand and said colonel although your beard is rather long you may give me a kiss you are a man so i trust mademoiselle he answered as he awkwardly pressed his lips to the hand of this strange girl as for you comrade and he pointed his finger at him you have had a narrow escape the joke has gone quite far enough commandant if you like i will go to the district with you said the laughing stranger and bring that invisible whistler marcheterre along with you marcheterre who is that said the sailor with every sign of genuine surprise did not some one whistle a minute ago if they did said the other what has that to do with me i wonder i thought that your men brought here no doubt to arrest me were warning you of their approach was that really what you thought eh mon dieu yes drink your glass of bordeaux it is delicious perplexed by the sailor's astonishment by the levity of his manner and the almost childish appearance of his face with its carefully curled fair hair the commandant's mind hesitated among endless suspicions he noticed madame du Gois, who was trying to read the secret in her son's glances at mademoiselle de verneuil and suddenly asked her your age citoyenne alas the laws of our republic are growing very merciless monsieur l'officier 
I am thirty-eight years old. May I be shot if I believe a word of it. Marsh Atter is about. I heard him whistle, and you are Chouans in disguise. Tonnerre de Dieu! I will have the inn surrounded and searched. A whistle not unlike the sound he spoke of interrupted the commandant's speech. It came from the courtyard. Fortunately, Hulot hurried into the corridor and did not notice the pallor that overspread Madame Dugrois's face at the words. When Hulot beheld the whistler, a postillion harnessing his horses to the coach, his suspicions were allayed. It seemed to him so absurd that Chouans should risk themselves in the midst of Alençon that he returned in confusion. I forgive him, but some day he shall pay dear for the moments he has made us spend here, said the mother gravely, whispering to her son, and at that instant Hulot came into the room again. The brave officer clearly showed on his embarrassed face the expression of a mental struggle between the rigorous claims of duty and his own natural good nature. He still looked surly, perhaps because he thought that he had been mistaken. But he took the glass of Bordeaux and said, Excuse me, comrade, but if your school sends out such youngsters for officers, are there not still younger ones among the brigands asked the so-called sailor laughing for whom did you take my son answered madame du gois for the gars the leader sent over to the chouans and vendeans by the english ministry and whose style is the marquis of montauran as he spoke, the commandant still kept a close watch on the faces of the two suspected persons. They looked at each other with the peculiar expressions which two presumptuous and ignorant people might assume successively, and which might be translated by this dialogue. Do you know what this means? No, do you? Not a bit of it. What does he mean to say? He is dreaming and there followed the mocking jeer of folly which thinks itself triumphant the mention of the royalist's general's name wrought in marie de verneuil's manners and unconcern a sudden alteration which was only visible to francine the one person present who could read the almost imperceptible shades of expression on that young face Completely baffled, the commandant picked up the two pieces of his sword and looked at Mademoiselle de Verneuil. The warmth and excitement in her face had succeeded in stirring his own feelings. He said, As for you, Mademoiselle, I shall stick to my word, and to-morrow the fragments of my sword shall return to Bonaparte, unless— what have i to do with your bonapartes and your republics your chouans your king and your gar cried she repressing with some difficulty an outburst of temper which would have been in very poor taste a strange excitement or waywardness brought a brilliant colour to her face 
it was clear that the whole world would become as nothing to this young girl from the moment when she singled out one living creature in it from all others but suddenly she forced herself to be calm again finding that all eyes were turned upon her as upon a principal personage the commandant rose abruptly mademoiselle de vernoy anxious and disturbed followed him stopped him in the passage outside and asked him in earnest tones had you really very strong reasons for suspecting this young man to be the gars tonnerre de dieu that popinjay who came along with you mademoiselle had just told me that the travellers and courier had all been murdered by the shuans which i knew already but i did not know that the name of the dead travellers was dugois saint cyr oh if corentin is mixed up in it i am not surprised at anything any longer she said with a gesture of disgust the commandant withdrew not daring to look at mademoiselle de vernoy whose dangerous beauty had already perturbed his heart if i had stayed there for ten more minutes he said to himself as he went downstairs i should have been fool enough to pick up my sword again to escort her madame dugois saw how the young man's eyes were fixed on the door through which mademoiselle de vernoy had made her exit and spoke in his ear it is always the same with you you will only come to your end through some woman or other the sight of a doll makes you forget everything else why did you allow her to breakfast with us what sort of demoiselle de vernoy can she be who accepts invitations to breakfast with strangers has an escort of blues and countermands them by a paper kept in reserve in her spencer like a love-letter she is one of those vile creatures by means of whom fouche thinks to entrap you and that letter which she produced authorized her to make use of the blues against you really madame said the young man in a sharp tone that cut the lady to the heart and made her cheeks turn white her generosity is a flat contradiction to your theories be careful to remember that we are only brought together by the interests of the king can the universe be other than a void for you who have had charette at your feet could you live any longer save to avenge him the lady stood lost in thought like a man who watches the shipwreck of his fortunes from the strand and only feels a stronger craving for his lost riches end of section eight